Hi, my name is David Green. Welcome to the People Analytics and Future of Work podcast. If you're expecting to hear our Adamson's voice, don't worry, you'll be hearing his in due course. Uh, but we thought it'd be a good idea to put Al on the hot seat today and I'll, be, and I'll take over the interviewing duties uh, just for this time, although maybe a few, few more times in the future. Um, so those, for those who haven't uh, heard my name before, uh, as I said, David Green, I write and speak about people analytics and its role in the future of work. And I'm fortunate to see it firsthand from practitioners uh, about the opportunities and challenges in this field. I've got to know Al well over the last three years, and I'm honored to have been the co-chair at the People Analytics and Future of Work conferences in 2017, and will be performing that role again uh, at the conference in San Francisco on the 1st and 2nd of February. We will be talking a bit more about that later on. So Al, Al is one of the most knowledgeable and best connected people in our space. His thoughts on the people analytics field and the wider role of HR in the coming years are amongst the most visionary I've come across. So I'm really looking forward to the discussion. So enough about my voice, let's get started. Al, <laughs> you're always getting new listeners to the podcast. So particularly for their benefit, uh, please can you give a briefing introduction to your personal people analytics journey. Hey, David. Well, th thanks for uh, doing this and super excited to be talking with you. Uh, I had a rush of anguish. You put me on the hot seat. I go, oh, man, he's going to ask me some tough questions. And then you uh, said those complimentary things and uh, put me at ease. So so thank you. And uh, yeah, I just want to highlight uh, a couple things about myself. Uh, I am a learner, first and foremost. Uh, when I first started in the space as a focused effort in the early 2000s. Uh, it was pretty much around data wrangling and uh, creating dashboards and visualizing data that was formerly hidden in organizations. And uh, that was not my uh, background, although I had worked uh, as an SAP consultant with Ernst & Young in years prior. Uh, but my background was more around organizational uh, research or economics. And I wanted to link different uh, uh, constructs within an organization, namely how employee engagement uh, satisfaction, if you highlight uh, the Sears service profit chain work by Steve Kern and Tony Rucci and, and others in the 90s. And I wanted to bring that into uh, the commercial space or the clients that I worked with. And now fast forward you know, 15 years and, and we're creating products that are based on analytical based technologies, uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence, of course, natural language processing. So I, you know, again, remain very much a learner. I am very excited about the space. I'm one of the few people out there who has been uh, a practitioner, who has been a consultant uh, with a a uh, prominent firm, as well as a leader with a technology provider. So I, I bring a variety of perspectives, uh, but at the end of the day, yeah, I'm just trying to listen, learn, help formulate uh, ideas on how best to bring home uh, value to not only leaders and HR, but to employees themselves, because there's so much data out there. Uh, oftentimes we struggle is it the right data? What do we do with the data? Do, do we get analysis paralysis? You know, you know, what do we do? So my role is help create clarity, you know, identify a vision, roadmap to achieve it. And that's done through peer groups, the conferences, and a variety of other things that we have forthcoming. So yeah, super excited to be talking with you today. 
that's that's great Al. and and of course you know you'll you've probably been in this space for longer than the most um, and you've obviously seen you know seen quite a lot of changes which you, you kind of referred to a little bit there um you know we're coming to the end of 2017 um you know as you said you divide a lot of your time between working closely with practitioners uh, and speaking and chairing at conferences on the on, on the subject um I, my personal sense is that 2017 has been a bit of a pivotal year for PEEP analytics. We've kind of seen it moving, in my, in my sense at least, from the kind of periphery towards the centre of HR. Um, I'd be interested to get, hear your main reflections on the year as, 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 we, as we enter December. Yes, it, yeah, I agree. I, I, I do believe we're at a, a bit of a tipping point. Uh, just to put this in greater context, as I alluded to in, in my introduction, it, we spent probably the past 20 years trying to aggregate disparate data sources. And initially that was done on an event-driven basis for a research purpose, to study a particular phenomena or dynamic and learn from it and, and have it hopefully predict uh, what the best course of action or at least guide the best course of action moving forward. Uh, then it became, hey, instead of doing this on an event-driven basis, one-off basis, let's do it on an ongoing basis. And so it can be then disseminated to a wider group of people so they can in turn grab this insight and, and make appropriate changes. So now we are at this, I would even call it advent because it, it, there are many products out there. There are many uh, organizations that are adopting these products now, and they're really rooted in a uh, self-service type model where we are now pushing insight or putting insight in the hands of not only leaders in HR, but as I alluded to before, employees themselves and team leaders. So formerly that insight had to be done through heavy lifting, uh, but with everything from chatbots to uh, the idea that we can have a machine learning algorithm identify who the most likely individuals are for success, uh, that starts to get really exciting. And again, the proliferation of vendors that are out there that are doing this work, uh, we're getting smarter internally within organizations in terms of governance, uh, managing privacy concerns, data management. So the ability to do this work is becoming ever higher. And so my reflections on 2017, Yes, we're getting to this place where we can go up in the tornado, as Josh Burson likes to say. Uh, but I'm not super convinced we're going to go into it yet because organizations, even though they have this as, set up as a high priority, they have not allocated resources uh, with that talk. And I'm talking in general terms, of course, there are some who have, but we still, and again, as a discipline, uh, and I'm talking about HR leaders in particular, heads of talent, I don't believe they have a really accurate idea of the investment it's going to take, uh, both in terms of time, money, uh, and really the underlying work to bring these things to life. And But to your point, uh, this is no longer nice to have. Uh, when I was doing the work in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, I heard a lot, hey, we're not there yet. It's a priority, but not really because we got these other things going on. Uh, now it's a non-negotiable, and now it's just a matter if we go into two as we go into 2018, our organization is going to be smarter in terms of modifying their budgets in ways that are going to accommodate 
the need for a vendor, need for a consultant, the need to uh, hire uh, maybe a data scientist or uh, someone who's going to be adept at packaging and communicating insight or project managing a variety of initiatives. So again, we're getting better, but there's still some things that have to happen moving forward that you know, are going to determine whether or not we actually start you know, really accelerating. Okay. I mean, that, that, yeah, I, I'm certainly, um, I saw Josh uh, write, Josh Burson write something about how he sees you know, people analytics being the linchpin of success for HR um, in the coming years. And I think, you know, that kind of crystallizes some of the stuff that you were talking about, it being mandatory, really. And I think that's, you know, that's why we're seeing this kind of shift as or this tipping point, as, as, as you've called it. So look at cut to the end of next year and see if you got it right. Um, what, what do you see happening in, uh, seriously, no, what do you see happening in 2018 and, and the years ahead with regards to people analytics? No, it, and thank you for uh, yeah, asking. It's um, the case where if we're really going to reap the value out of people analytics, then the customers of the information have to be educated. And yes, so it has to be uh, embedded in the culture. Uh, HR business partners have to ask better questions uh, of their internal customers. They have to communicate better and more accurately and more clearly uh, with a people analytics COE so that COE can go and build the appropriate solution. So yeah, as we go into 2018, it's not only a matter of having the appropriate technology vendors out there providing the uh, the algorithms and 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 the tools it's really about organizations getting smarter around how they're going to build capability uh, within their organization and i'll also add to this is that they also have to take a leadership role and identify the data that are going to be most appropriate to answer the questions they need to know uh, many are more are too passive in that regard and they either rely too heavily on the vendor community to say, okay, these are the most appropriate measures, or they just take le legacy measures and put them into a new tool set. Uh, very few press pause and say, hey, wait a minute, is this the right data in the first place? Is this the right language? So I hope in 2018 and in the years ahead that we are more clear on what's possible and we have the fortitude to assert ourselves to make the most appropriate data decisions, technology decisions, uh, team building tech. Uh, decisions you know, based on the people analytics COE, and then also you know build a culture where data-driven decision making is not in certain pockets that is pervasive. That this is really how we do things here. <laughs> well, well, we'll come back in a year's time and see where we're getting. But I, I guess it's going to be very dependent on individual organisations as well, and and the people driving this agenda in them. So. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you that the more the, the more the focus is on the employee, the, the better. Um, actually, quite kind of closely related to this, I, I know you've read the uh, person by Deloitte High Impact People Analytics Study, which just been published and yeah, must say is an excellent piece of work by Madhura uh, Chakrabarti. Um, 
of the many findings that, that kind of resonated with me, I was I was struck on the need to embed data decision making within the organizational culture. And I think we're talking HR business partners particularly here. You know, it'd be good to hear your thoughts on this and you know, maybe some practical advice to, to listeners on on how they can achieve this as well. Uh first off, I echo uh, the quality of that piece of work. Uh, it is exceptional. And in addition to uh, Jonathan Farrar's and his colleagues uh, work on power of people, I think it's the seminal piece of work in 2018. And it might actually uh, be a landmark piece. And I'll explain why. Uh, we are in a transition period in terms of how we not only think about this work, but what decisions we're going to make. Uh, many have uh, said, oh, I want to do people analytics, and they take a data-centric approach or a technology-centric approach, and they say, I want to aggregate data, I want to visualize the data and, and push it out. And yes, you know that is important, that's a value, but is that really the priority given business needs or given the needs of the people within the business? So uh, in terms of the yeah, embedding data decision, data-driven decision-making, it's a must-have, uh, it's a non-negotiable. So it just begs the question, how then is it done? Is it taking the technology vendor that you're working with and having technology-based training? Uh, is it storytelling uh, with data training? Is it uh, taking a business problem that's unique to that organization and solving it and uh, then understanding the underlying process by which that improvement uh, was made, both in terms of the nature of the discussions, the analysis, the communication of the insight and so forth. I, it's pretty much all the above in my view, uh, but I would focus on that latter piece uh, because number one, it's unique to the organization. Number two, it speaks to the whole process so people can see how they fit into the process. So I, and I'll also add to this is that the tools now are, and to echo what I said earlier, value, delivering a value proposition down to the employee level, not all the time, but if there is a reason for HR business partners, for example, to in turn communicate with their internal customers and say, okay, this is your people saying this, doing this, and this is the insight that we're gleaning out of this, and these are the recommendations that we have to improve a certain uh, measure. You know, that is a confidence-inspiring discussion. And it also means that the people within the system are going to be beneficiaries of the insight. And once this starts to churn, uh, there's no longer going to be a business case for this type of training. There's no longer going to be a you know, formal, hey, you know, why should we do this type of discussion? It's going to be how well we're going to do this. What's the most appropriate you know, way forward? And you know, particularly one thing I'll say, and I know this is a long-winded answer, but I think about relationship analytics or organizational network analysis. And one of the dimensions that I've long talked uh, about or, or focused on in the uh, career coaching that I've done over the years is relationships. What relationships do you have? What relationships uh, do you need to develop to accomplish the things that you're setting out to do? And that's been a blind spot for many. But now with these tools and, and technologies, now I can see, hey, guy, this is where I'm spending my time in this relationship. This is the nature of our discussions. Why don't I toggle over here and spend more time over here? So now I can allocate my time more appropriately to, again, get the things done that I'm being asked to do. That level of insight wasn't available. You know, four or five years ago. And moving forward, it's going to become the norm. It's not going to be in 2018, not uh, you know, across the board, but 
in time, you know, this is going to be a piece of insight that employees will have at their fingertips, and it's going to be provided by the organizations that they're working for. And frankly, that gets me really excited. Yeah, I mean, it's it definitely exciting. And, and I think Majura definitely struck on the right uh, attribute there, this, this creating this culture of data decision making. You know, it does seem to be almost the biggest challenge that many of many of the companies that have invested in setting up people analytics teams face. And, and it's almost like once they cross the Rubicon uh, uh, into doing that, that's when they really start to do some, you know, some, some even greater work. So, yeah, uh, I, I agree with everything you're saying on that. And actually, that leads quite nicely with this kind of sort of focus on the future. You've just published, a, you know, brilliant article on, on PEEP Analytics 3.0, which you know, along with, you know, what we just talked about, the work from Majura and the book, you know, by Jonathan and his co-authors, you know, is, is definitely one of the must-read uh, articles of the year. Um, you know, but, you know, for the benefit of the, of the listener who hasn't read the article yet, you know, can you provide a high-level summary of what you mean by uh, PEEP Analytics 3.0? Maybe a couple of examples of the types of benefits that this offers, you know, both companies but also employees too. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Well, first off, thanks for the kind words. And and what I'll say about 3.0 is, yeah, I'm not trying to be cute by saying it, but I'm trying to help uh, people analytics leaders and heads of talent and CHROs and anyone, frankly, interested in this discipline to understand the distinctions that have evolved over time and where they fit uh, relative to one another. And obviously with people analytics 3.0, it begs the question, well, what the heck was 1.0 and 2.0? <laughs> so, uh, and not to be too long-winded on this, but 1.0 was effectively organizational research, which is going on for you know, nearly a hundred years, frankly, if not more. So yeah, that is research-oriented. It's event-based. It, uh, by and large, is focused on a particular uh, problem or opportunity. Uh, 2.0, on the other hand, has really been over the past 20 years. And I would say it's taking business intelligence and bringing it into the HR space. So aggregating formerly disparate data, staging it, uh, cleaning it, uh, providing dashboard scorecards, uh, push reporting, you know, all that, democratizing uh, the insight, so to speak. And that it has evolved nicely. There are many tools that enable that now and enable that really well. And now here we are at 3.0, and we're trying to, to borrow uh, my friend and colleague's uh, word solutionize, uh, create products, uh, create apps that help people. And when I say people, I'm using that term generically because, or intentionally, uh, because it's employees, team leaders, it's HR business partners, it's specific uh, beneficiaries of the data-driven insight. So these products, if you will, are part of what I call you know, 3.0. And now, given those three buckets, where does an organization want to spend its time? Does it want to do event-based research, uh, which I believe is massively valuable. That's largely how Google's team has viewed uh, their work and have done amazingly insightful studies over the years that has shed light on the dynamics within their organization. Uh, fantastic. Uh, the ability, again, to democratize data and insight yeah, is, is well documented and, and founded. And there's 
again, a variety of vendors that do great work in that area. And now 3.0 is really a proliferation of these tools that leverage machine learning, AI, natural language processing that are lighter, arguably more agile. So a lot of the heavy lifting from a data standpoint is done by the algorithms and, and the underlying technology. And this is these are things that you can you know, purchase off the shelf as opposed to go and have to build. So it's a different model than in years past where, hey, you're looking for a technology that you're going to serve as a platform by which to build something that you're going to then distribute internally. Now it's like, hey, I'm effectively not only buying data, I'm buying the technology by which to disseminate that data internally. So that's a different mindset. It's a different approach. And it's core to what I'm calling People Analytics 3.0. Right, and and I think it, it kind of, you know, lends itself to what we were talking about earlier. I mean, it effectively, the, the sort of the tipping point is this 3.0, where we are putting data in the hands of the of the people that need it, i.e., as you said, employees, team leaders, managers, so they can be more productive, but also, you know, have improved experience at, at, at work as well. And I think this. I mean, I've been at conferences this year and everyone seems to be talking about, um, you know, the mental health and well-being of employees. And it's it's like it's no longer a taboo subject. That's great. And, and obviously, it's analytics can help, help us understand that a lot more. So, uh, yeah, I think we're we're definitely on the same page here. Um, so moving, we, we've got to cover quite a lot of ground uh, in the podcast. You've recently set up a new business, Insight 222, with, with Jonathan uh, Ferrars, the co-author of Power of People. Uh, Volker Jacobs and, and Dirk Peterson. You know, again, for, for those who haven't heard that name before, you know, what is Insight 222? You know, what services does it provide? And and why do you believe it's so important for those of us that are operating in the in the people analytics space? Yeah, th thanks for asking. It's <laughs> it's the case where I've been uh, consciously a small business for a long time. Kids are, our kids are 16 and 14. And I live in Santa Cruz, and as you know, I, I enjoy my beach volleyball, and uh, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> didn't want to you know overextend myself. You know, that being said, the space is accelerating, as we've talked about, and there is a gap in the space, arguably, that brings together uh, the vendor community, the uh, thought leadership. Uh, community uh, and, of course, the practitioner community and, and those they serve. And, of course, we've been doing it uh, through the conferences for a number of years, but how do we sustain this over time? And so there are resources that people analytics leaders and, and their teams and others can access on an ongoing basis. So Insight 222, is its mission is to do just that, is to build capability and effectively raise the tide so everyone benefits and yeah because we need to accelerate it is core to hr it is not going away and we also don't need uh, all these vendors and service providers kind of competing uh with each other for uh, the mind share of us of a small group of people who are these decision makers around people analytics leaders that's happening uh, you know and it will continue to happen all fine and good but we're effectively serving as a clearinghouse of who's doing what where so people analytics leaders can understand 
oh gosh, Al, you know, who's doing organizational network analytics or relationship analytics really well? You know, give me the short list of, you know, who's doing uh, great work in this area? You know, who are they? You know, what, what are some of the use cases? You know, those are, those are questions that we can answer not only uh, quickly uh, if someone contacts us, but we're building a platform that will enable access to that as well. And that's going to be launched uh, here in December. So we're going to have the Global People Analytics Network. So we're creating a global community around this. We have what we call the People Analytics Peer Group, or I'm sorry, People Analytics Program, which is a peer group of people analytics leaders. And we're blessed to have some of the most prominent companies in the world already part of that program. We have online learning that is forthcoming. We've uh, soft launched some modules already. Uh, we are delivering uh, in-person training as well, as well as executive facilitation, executive advisory, coaching, and uh, related services. So there's a host of things forthcoming under Insight 222, but all this would not be possible without the partnership of Jonathan, who's one of the preeminent uh, figures in the space, and, and Volker and Dirk are former CEB and, and have done great things in their career as well. So given our joint capability, we're, uh, we're off and running and could not be more excited. Great. Sounds fantastic. You sold me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and um, where can people find out more about Insight 222? Uh, you can go first and foremost to insight222.com. Uh, you can also uh, reach out to me directly, and I have a variety of things I can share via email. I'm at al.adamsen, A-D-A-M-S-E-N, at insight222.com. Uh, and yeah, again, in, here in December, about the time this will be uh, published, if not earlier, uh, we will have launched the Global People Analytics Network work and that's going to be at globalpeopleanalytics.net and so yeah go there visit there poke around you'll be able to learn more about the people analytics future of work conference coming up february 1st and 2nd of uh, 2018 as well so yeah there's going to be a host of ways to uh learn more about us and linkedin uh you know being another uh, way as well great looking forward to it and and actually talking about the people analytics and future of work conference and i know you're busy programming that and you've already got a great list of, of speakers um, who are already confirmed that they're speaking uh, again I think uh, you'll tell us where we can find out more about that you know what can delegates look forward to at, at, at the people analytics and future of work conference I know there are lots of conferences about the subject now so you know what makes profound difference it's as you know, created by leaders and practitioners for leaders and practitioners. And with that in mind, our model is is different. Uh, our segments are shorter and they're in turn facilitated by you and me uh, with the audience. So there's interactive uh, discussion. It tends to be uh, more dynamic and energetic than other events that I, at least I've participated in in the past. It's not you know, just a talking head after talking head and, and you know throughout the course of the day. Uh, given the nature of our discipline, it, 
people have to approach it with curiosity. There's just so much happening. There's so much can, that can be done. So we ask delegates to come in you know, with a growth mindset, with a level of curiosity and, and compassion to say, hey, guy, you know, what if, what if we did that? What if you know, we jumped and allocated resources to uh, build a chatbot and take work off people's plate so we could then focus on more value-added activities within HR? So it's really, uh, if I might say, a kind of TED Talk style, TED Talk is um, formatted insofar as uh, you know, the segments are 15, 20 minutes long, and then we facilitate discussion you know, with uh, the audience. We also have a vendor showcase, so you get to hear what the leading vendors are doing and what they have planned, and they're actually in the uh, event space as well or not in some remote uh, vendor hall so you know that's a bit different and this year i mean again pinch me because i i can't believe sometimes you know who we have coming when i look at the list but you know, josh burson michael arena rob cross alexis fink uh heather whiteman guru sethupathy from you know capital one and uh rj milner from you know mckesson uh Gitanjali Gamal from from Merck and yeah I I'm gonna kick myself because I'm probably not gonna remember somebody right off the top of my head uh, I, if I didn't say Alexis Fink I'll say Alexis Fink uh, yeah because she's amazing as well so it, it's just yeah and Jonathan so it's just um, yeah real blessing to bring people together to learn to identify what is emerging as a leading practice in this space and also to get insight into what's forthcoming. And I cannot emphasize that enough because many uh, cannot align to what's happened in the past, but they might be able to align on what people are planning on doing in the future. So it's very future focused. It's very about very much about pushing the envelope. It's really about uh, answering the question, okay, if you're not there yet, and it's important, uh, what are you going to do? What's your best course of action? And if people walk away with better insight into what is the is in fact the best next step then we've done our job and you know we want to charge people up we want to get them excited uh, but we also want to add real practical value so they walk away you know better informed and more confident uh, about where they're heading brilliant and and our, I, I know um, it's the, the conference takes place on the 1st and 2nd of February. And again, where if people listening to this are thinking, yeah, I must go to the conference and, and you should, um, <laughs> where can they find out more? Where can they find out more? They can go to pafow.com. That's P-A-F-O-W.com. Uh, and uh, the websites I mentioned all can navigate uh, uh, someone there. And there are a variety of discounts, particularly for multiple attendees that are, are being offered uh, here in December. Uh, so yeah, it's really something if going back to my practitioner days, and it, it, it's invaluable to connect with peers and not learn on your own. And it's also to put the vendors value propositions into perspective uh, and not be over reliant on what they're telling you because they're obviously have an incentive to sell uh, which is all fine and good there's a role but uh, i just am 
and I reflect on my experience going back to my gap days where we were building the capability and I worked very closely uh, with Melissa McMahon and, and uh, 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 Maura Stevenson uh, when they were at Starbucks building the people uh, or the partner insights capability there. And it was invaluable. I mean, I can't tell you how, um, inspiring they were, how much they gave me ideas uh, to advance our capabilities. So this is effectively you know, what we're doing, not only with the conference, but with our people analytics program is, hey, we're now providing a, a platform, a venue, uh, a, a set of connections that will help you advance your uh, people analytics program faster than you otherwise you would. And this is different than just knowing the people and emailing them once in a while. This is actually getting in a room and doing work. And then we all congregate at these conference, learn uh, from and connect with a broader community. And then if you're part of the program, then you go off and, and we'll do our thing. So yeah, if you haven't attended, um, please come. I, I can't tell you how, uh, fun and inspiring it is and educational it is. And if you uh, have come before, come on back. You're always welcome. And, and that's certainly something I've noticed about the the conference is, is the number of repeat attendees. Um, and, you know, I'm fortunate that, you know, I get to go to lots and lots of conferences all around the world, some purely on people analytics, others that are kind of wider and looking at HR technology. But of the pure peep analytics conferences, you know, I, I say that the Pafal one is part of the Holy Trinity, along with the Wharton peep analytics conference um, in Philadelphia in March and uh, the, the Takana conferences, which I'm fortunate to, to, to co-chair here in, in Europe. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. So, Al, we could probably talk all afternoon, but I'm just going to go to one last question. And funny enough, it was something that you said that the first um, People Analytics and Future of Work uh, event that I attended, when you said that People Analytics was not only an opportunity for HR, which is what lots of people were saying, but a responsibility too. And I think you touched on some of the reasons for that during our discussion today, but it really resonated. And you know, it'd be great if you could expand on that again, just 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 to finish the to finish the call. Sure. Thanks for asking the question. Um... I am in this work to improve people's lives. That's why I do this work. Uh, yes, I want to see organizations uh, perform better. Uh, you know, I want them to reduce risk and, and all that. But what I get fired up about is the fact that many people are in their jobs disengaged. People drive home or do their daily commute on a train uh, feeling frustrated because they haven't uh, succeeded that day. They had too much to do. They didn't get everything done. And what can we do from a measurement analytical perspective to help solve that problem so people are more engaged, that they do feel uh, better at the end of the day, that they can walk in their homes and be at peace and connect with their families and friends and uh, you build relationships that are outside of work. I mean, I really want to humanize the corporate experience and what the corporate experience does uh, to people when they're not at work. Uh, it's uh, 
it's just something that really fires me up. And having lived in Europe for nearly six years and at different places around the world, I, I've seen different ways. And we can have this argument about, you know, productivity and 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 you know who has a quote unquote better better society. But my my bar is really around personal wellness. You know, do people feel good? Um, are they able to prioritize their, you know, again, personal relationships in their lives and have the capacity as well as the capability uh, to do what they're being asked? And so analytics has a role to play. Uh, it has a critical role to play. In, in other words, insight into this doesn't get elevated unless we do our job well. Uh, and there needs to be an openness by leaders to take this insight and respond accordingly. So yeah, there's a bunch of tools out there. There's a bunch of, uh, you know, new data. There's, you know, tons of great things happening. Uh, but I do firmly believe it's not only an opportunity for HR to add more value to the commercial side of the business. There is not only a huge opportunity, but a responsibility to help people be more at peace in their work and in their lives. And if we do that, they're going to be more engaged. They're going to be more innovative. Uh, they're going to have more uh, psychological, emotional uh, safety. There's research uh, preponderance of research that uh, promotes this. It's just how do we do it? And therein lies our challenge. So yeah, I'm extremely bullish on the space. As you know, uh, I'm also uh, there to challenge leaders to say, hey, what are you doing? What's your ultimate purpose? Which, what does success look like for you? And hopefully it's an and where, yes, you want some commercial value, but you also want some kind of human-centered value as well. So thanks for asking the question. No worries. And, I, and I, you know, I'm totally with you on this. I think the more that we have that focus and we start to prove that there is a link between providing you know, mental health, well-being, experience, at high levels and that actually has an impact on on the business and i guess business leaders are going to be more going to get more and more bought into this so yeah i i think you know you're right there is a responsibility for those of us in that space to to focus on those things so but al it's always great to talk to you and finally before i pass the baton back to you i mean how how can listeners get in touch with you yeah again my email al.adamson a-d-a-m-s-e-n at insight222.com also feel free to connect with me on linkedin and you know, again the people analytics and future of work conference coming up I and mean, our space is getting wider faster um, our universe of possibility is growing all the time and again that's a place where we can you know, identify what's happening and help you all make informed decisions on how best to move forward so i really am at your service uh, both formally and informally and because my goal is to again elevate the space so any way you want to reach out i'm happy to help al it's been a great discussion um i've thoroughly enjoyed it and uh, i'm looking forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks david this yeah, yeah. david green Sorry, you go Always a pleasure. I mean, really, uh, thanks for doing this. Really, really excited you did. Absolute, absolute delight. This is David Green. This is the People Analytics and Future World podcast. We're signing off for this episode. That was fantastic, sir. Thank you.
Thank you for restarting. Well, Thank you. I for had doing. the easy one. That was, I had the easy one for one. <laughs> it's it's so funny. I'm going through and I go, oh, I should have said that. I should have said that. I should have said that. But it was like I, I was. It was really fun. Hopefully, my responses weren't too long winded. I I coach or advise the people that I interview. Hey, don't make your responses, you know, too long. And I'm like, am I being too long right now? <laughs> so oh, no, oh. no, no. I I didn't I didn't think you were. We covered a lot, and we're looking. Calling at my phone, it's thirty nine minutes and thirty 